I literally wanted to cry and leave. Um, <laughs> I wanted both of those things to happen yeah. very badly. There are two things in the world that you can't oversell, and one is Italy. And the other one is that. <laughs> That's actually, wow, I love that. Can I use that? It's as good as people say. <laughs> Hello, Theatre Art Life podcast listeners. Today we're sharing with you an interview led by one of our contributors, Justin Mabadi. Justin Mabadi is a creative director and television director with experience in the production and development of live stage shows, live shows for television and television formats. He has worked in 20 countries on shows of every scale. We hope that you enjoy listening to his interview. So then you picked up in the Heights. It was running off Broadway already and you took it over? No, I, I, took, I started it from the get-go. From in the Heights off Broadway? Oh, yeah. sorry, I thought you were saying it was already off Broadway. No, it was gotcha. about to go off Broadway. I see. So that's where I met Amber, because gotcha. Amber had done the workshop of In the Heights. Uh -huh. And I, I promised the general manager I would interview the people that um, had done. Amber walked in the door, and it was over at that point. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're the person. So we figured out how to do it off Broadway. It was a very, very difficult feat, um, because there were I, we were a week into the off-Broadway production of In the Heights, and I called the general manager and I said, uh, we are sorely understaffed. We have expectations that this is gonna be a Broadway show. Right. Everybody expects Broadway quality right. out of this show, and you do not have nearly enough people working on it. Interesting. Like, I need another assistant. Mm -hmm. We need to hire a props person mm -hmm. because there is no props person. Right. We need to hire some crew. We need to hire some wardrobe. We need to hire people. Right. And they did their best, but we still got to the first day of tech and there was a sawhorse and a saw on stage and <laughs> sawdust all over it because they were still building the set. And I, I had no choice but to grab a broom yeah, and start sweeping and mopping because we needed to start tech. Yeah, it just was. And then I remember our um, sound designer came to me while I was sweeping and mopping, Nevin Steinberg, who I still adore. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sweeping and mopping. And he said, you, you not, you, somebody else needs to be doing this. And I said, I understand, but there is no one else <laughs> doing this. Like, no if time. I don't do it, it won't get done and right. we won't start tech. Right. And he was like, we're in, we're in trouble. <laughs> we are. You're right. And we had to figure out, like, how to make this work, which we did. Right. But it was such a scrappy, you know, at that point, we were like, let's figure this out. Right, just barely getting Let's to have tech is hard many enough. Many production meetings later, <laughs> we were figuring out just how many people we needed. And then you guys ran off Broadway for quite. For quite we did time. like six months off Broadway, mm -hmm. and probably could have done longer, mm -hmm. but they were ready to sort of move it. Mm -hmm. And then it moved straight to Broadway. Uh, we took a six-month hiatus, mm -hmm. and then went to Broadway. Wow! Yeah, with the same cast, we added a few people. You know, we we staffed up right for the Broadway show and. That was uh, not since uh, Bombay Dreams had I felt such love sure. in a show and in a theater. Right. Between the audience, between the people on stage, between the audience. And, yeah. I mean, again, it was a, a, a cultural event. Right. Um, that people were, and Lynn says this all the time, or used to say it all the time, where he wanted to write a show that he was proud to be in. Mm -hmm. um, that at that point, there weren't too many shows about Latinos. Sure. 
that weren't about holding a gun or, you know, committing a crime. Right. So, so in the Heights was notorious for having that kind of a company, a really positive like group of yeah. people. Yeah. And it sort of was known kind of throughout, <laughs> well, for sure in New York, mm-hmm. and I'm sure elsewhere as well. And you were on that for quite some time, I think. Yeah, I did that for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was my first PSM job. And after, you know, two years, I was, I wanted to build my resume. Sure. I wanted to move on. But before we get there, so you were now PSM on Broadway. Yeah. And did you feel nervous about that? Were you? Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, Amber and I had a lot of conversations where I, I said to her, you know, I don't know what my style is. Right. I've been, I've been doing what Bonnie wants me to do. I've been doing what Steve wanted me to do before that. And I don't really know what my style is. I mean, the great thing about it is that I had a full tool bag. Like I came to it with all of Bonnie's tools and all of Steve's tools. Sure. And so I, if I didn't know what, how to handle it, how I wanted to handle a particular situation, I could open the tool bag and pull out what Bonnie would have done that gotcha. night and then just go, okay, well, we need an answer right now. Here's what I know Bonnie would have done, mm-hmm. or here's what I know Steve would have done. And then someday I'll figure out what Jason would right. do. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes you don't have that time. No. But, so so it, there you were. It took time yeah. for me to sort of figure out what is my style. Mm-hmm. Do I want a do I want a theater that has like is really strict with rules? Mm-hmm. Do I want a theater that feels loose? Do I want a theater that feels individual? You know, how do I want I wanted both of those things. Right. I wanted both Bonnie and Steve styles. Right. And I was trying to find a way to sort of, you know, get them both in me so that I could communicate them. But it takes a while. Sure. Did you feel like you misfired at all? Or do you feel yeah. like you oh, yeah. nailed it from day one? You misfire all the time. Because, I mean, there's times when you your, your ego starts to get in the way. Mm-hmm. And, you're, you know, it's, an, it's sort of an ego job where people sort of tell you you're the boss and tell you, you know, what you say goes. Right. And all those things. So there's a lot of ego that can enter the job. And it's a really difficult choice to say, I need to set my ego aside Mm -hmm. in this moment. And I need to do what's best for the show. Sure. It's sometimes far more difficult than it seems. So now, would you say that you have a style that you can encapsulate? I mean, that you can actually say in a sentence, you're like, my theater is. No. (laughs) (laughs) Still misfiring? <laughs> I, you know, it's a, I think it's a constant search because even, you know, I was very, I never wanted to write somebody up for being late. Right. That was like one thing that always sort of, st- I, I just didn't like it. And I would give a speech at the beginning of every new show mm-hmm. when I had the cast alone and say, listen, I don't want to do this. Right. You don't, we are adults. We're all adults. Show up on time. Mm-hmm. And if you can't show up on time, then text me, act like an adult right. and let's have adult conversations. And don't make me write notes right. that you were late because it's eventually we take money from you. You right. get pissed at me. I get pissed at you. It's a crappy thing to have to do. Right. And so I didn't for a long time. Did and there feel- would be times when I would sit somebody down and say, listen, whether you realize it or not, you're, you're habitually late. Right. You're screwing <laughs> and you need up. to figure that out. <laughs> but then eventually you realize, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. It's a tricky, uh, it's there's sort of like what you wish you could do and what yeah. sort of you have to do. Yeah. But it, I think you're right, though. I think it does, it is important for people to have a moment to, to correct themselves. Yeah. Like, because, you know, artists and, and actors and singers and dancers, all three, 
you know, there's a lot of passionate people out there yeah. who are in a, sometimes in a different world. And then they're showing up a bit late. They don't even realize it, or they do, or that you know they don't realize you know what's actually happening. Some people do. <laughs> yeah, I think you can almost. I, I've. It's been very rare that you can't actually get through to someone. Yeah. If you really, it also you know once you sort of realize I'm not here to tell you I don't like you. Right. I'm here to tell you where you've stepped out of line. Right. I like you. Right. But it's also my job to sort of say, you've stepped, you've crossed the line. Sure. And we are adults. Right. I find that there's always a good reminder, <laughs> which is literally like, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> yes. You're being paid to do what you love. Yeah. In like one of the top places in the world to do it, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And it, I think that we all forget that. Like, this is what we're aiming at. Yeah. Now you're here, you're doing it, you're being paid to do it. Yeah. And uh, and still, you know. And it's, a, I mean, it's, it's, w- when people say how exciting your job is as a stage manager, uh, you know, I always say, well, you know, I mean, it's a job. Right. It is, you know, there are moments that are incredible. Sure. And there are moments of like wonder. Right. But the day in and day out is, is that it's a job. Right. Um, like your job, like everybody's job. So one of those exciting moments was when you guys, I'm sure, got to go to the White House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah, it was we. I was one of the people who got chosen to go. Me and the sound designer and the associate assist, assistant company manager got to do a pre-visit to the White House, wow. just to sort of check out the space and check out the acoustics and check out, make sure everything was good. We got a private tour of anything we wanted a tour of. Oh my god! It was kind of incredible. We went into the kitchen and the chef gave us cookies, and I mean, Amazing. it was. Uh, we went to the florist. I mean, we went to the everywhere. You went, <laughs> you're like, like you we didn't say room. no. They said, do you want to? We said, yes, yes. we do. Um, and then a few weeks later, showed up with the whole cast wow. and, and like gave a performance. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I think we all, I, I, yeah. would, I, don't, I don't remember knowing that it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden it was just happening. Yeah. So excited. Was yeah. Amazing. Well, that's how everything happened on the first year of Hamilton. Right. It was like, really? This is what, okay. And then it was happening. And we, you know, it took an immense amount of planning for all of those. I'm sure. So then you, so two years in, you leave in the Heights. And I'm sure you had bits and pieces, but was the next Broadway show that you brought up Hamilton? The next show that I PSM'd? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. <laughs> now you're going to make me think about oh, no. I did. I had what I call my five week <laughs> curse. Um, <laughs> Because I did uh, Wait Until Dark, no, uh, um, Miracle Worker, mm-hmm. ran for five weeks. I did, shoot, Magic Bird ran for five weeks. I did, there was a third one in there and I can't remember. And then I did A Night with Janice Joplin. And that ran for like four months. The curse was broken. The curse was kind of broken. <laughs> it wasn't a hit. And then I did a reading and ultimately the, the production of The Last Ship mm-hmm. with uh, Sting and Joe Mantello and Stephen Hoggett, all incredible artists yeah, um, that I was overwhelmed to be in the room with. Right. This is when, and this is the point in my career where I decided, I, I figured out that there's always a reason to be in the room. Mm-hmm that you as a stage manager should figure out what that reason is before you do the show. Because as long as you know why you're there, and it's not just to sort of 
put another notch on your belt. Right. It's like, are you trying to build a relationship with the general manager on this one? Are right. you trying to, do you love this director and just want to watch him work? Sure. Do you, you know, for what, what reason are you there? Um, and for me, the last ship was, I didn't care how successful the last ship was. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, I wanted to watch the creative process between these three unique individuals sure. and how it met and how they met each other. Right. And it, it was a fascinating I'm sure. thing to watch and overwhelming to sort of on a daily basis, be in the room with Sting and Joe and Steven. It is a good point that you get to, at times, experience things that really no one else gets to experience. Like, to actual creation of shows mm -hmm. is a daunting and fascinating experience. Yeah. If, 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 you know, if only to just have your life taken away from you for a short period of time, yeah. it rewards you often with some, some unique memories and experiences that you'll, you'll never be able to explain again. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> and if you can sort of take the time to appreciate it which sometimes we move have to move so fast and so get over so overwhelmed with things to do on our list sure. that we don't actually take the time to sort of say good morning right. and take in the day. Yeah. It takes it takes a That's one of those but this was one of those projects where you had to. You just had to. Right. You just had to we all looked at each other every day going, I can't believe I'm in this room. How long did the show last for? <sighs> so sad. Oh. <laughs> um like Three or four months. Oh, really? Nothing. I can't even remember how, like, when it opened. It didn't, you know, we went to, we took it to Chicago, we teched it, it all went really well. It just wasn't sort of selling. And we got back to New York and it just wasn't selling. And I don't really know why. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the, the civilian population, that's who I call them, the people <laughs> who are not sort of regular theater employed by or in the theater sure thought it was lovely but it wasn't necessarily uplifting and it wasn't necessarily a hoot right. and it wasn't a big old dance number and it wasn't all those things that a musical sort of uh is known for is yeah. known for yeah. but it was hauntingly beautiful um and the people in theater would come backstage and just be like it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen wow like so there, so we were getting very sort of confused by the reaction like some people were just over like literally touched and overwhelmed sure. and people would in in the business were reaching out to me saying this is one of the most incredible things i've ever seen um, and if you like sting music sting's music which i adore mm -hmm. then it was lovely to listen to sure all night long too sure. and then sting would you know, Sting was, it was such a pet, it was such a, a project of love for him that he was there like all the time. He Amazing. was always walking in and like he would hang up his coat in our office and just sit and talk with us and then <laughs> go hang out with the cast in the green room. And he was always there, which, you know, that's the other thing is like when you have someone as, as known as Sting, yeah. who's not a jerk right. in any way, like he's the nicest person in the building, mm -hmm. nobody is allowed to be a jerk. Right. Like yeah, nobody exactly. gets to be a jerk. If Sting's not a jerk, <laughs> you don't get to be a jerk. Right. And that made for a very interesting sort of dynamic. I'm like sure. it's because people's egos often want to let them be jerks. Right. But they got constantly checked by somebody who's not a jerk, who's a megastar, who's Higher walking in the building every day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then introducing you to like people who would come see the show were friends of his. Yeah. So you're meeting these mega rock stars. Amazing. And Film and television people sure. 
And so you just don't, you just sort of go, wow. Um, and then he went into the show. And when he went into the show, he, he got his own dressing room. Mm -hmm. But he would still come into the office and hang up his coat in oh, our sweet. office every day. And, and I, I kept saying, you know you have a dressing room, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I'm up there by myself. Oh, I don't want to be like, why yeah. would I go like hang out by myself? Sure. He's like, I, I would rather hang out here. And we're like, you know, we don't got a problem with that. No, of course not. And it must be such a unique <laughs> experience for him to be on a, in a Broadway show yeah. and like really try and connect in that way. Being on the road as everyone is, is a lonely yeah. experience. And it's got to be hard to sort of try to understand why you can sell out, you know, 10,000 stadium. Oh, that's true. Stadiums I didn't think about all that. over the world. Right. But a Broadway house. But this 1,400 seat Broadway house, you couldn't get a half, half a house. That's unbelievable. Like it's, it's, it was. It was pretty like uh, there's a big disconnect. Yeah, between, and it's got to be one of the hardest things for him pill to hit. Sure, to I can imagine. So you close that. Yeah. Crying. Yeah, <laughs> unhappy about that. I thought it was going to run forever. Yeah. Um, which is why when Tommy and Lynn would call me to say we're going to do a reading of Hamilton, mm -hmm. which I still didn't know what it was. Can you join us? Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm, I'm. I'm busy. I, mm -hmm. I'm out of town. I'm working on this. And yeah. when they did the off-Broadway version of Hamilton, mm -hmm. he said, can you come join us? Right. He said, I, I actually, Tommy called and said, I know you can't because you're doing the last ship. And right. I said, that's true. Mm -hmm. But Tommy's, Tommy and I, and I have always stayed in touch. Um, we always, we would go out for tea. We mm -hmm. would go out, hang out. We would just sort of catch up. Right. Um, so he always uh, called me to sort of say, can you recommend somebody sure. for this next project or whatever? Right. But when, uh, Hammer, when Last Ship was over, uh, I wanted to see Hamilton. It was only a couple, Hamilton had only been running a couple of weeks. They were in previews of the public. Right. And uh, everybody, well, Jeffrey was our producer. He was the producer downtown. And so I called and said, can I get tickets? And he's like, absolutely. So they put me like second row center. Right in the booth. Right. <laughs> With no, the they put me like down no. front where the stage light was spilling on me. So, and I saw all my friends from In the Heights Amazing. on stage. You know, Lynn was there, Chris was there. Right. Uh, Seth was there, John Rua was there. I mean, like all of these Your people family, I knew, yeah, were, and then the designers were all friends of mine. And so I was just so conspicuous, but still just <laughs> like overwhelmed with yeah. what I was watching. Of I course. cried pretty much the whole time just out of pride yeah you know i mean that i knew these people and still not fully comprehending what i was trying to wrap my head around right because you had no connection to it until none then. none at all well that's kind of an interesting <clears throat> thing is to sort of get in there and see what you you know what i guess in hindsight it's an interesting thing but in the moment yeah. you probably were just overwhelmed yeah totally overwhelmed i, I always mean, say that hamilton is one of those <clears throat> things that there are two things in the world that you can't oversell. And one is Italy and the other one is Hamilton. <laughs> That's actually, wow, I love that. Can I use that? It's as good as people say. <laughs> Both things are true. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, definitely. So then did they, how did you um, take them? It was literally, the funny thing is, is that... You killed the other stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> before, they weren't available. Before I went to see Hamilton... I think even before Last Ship was closed, Joe Mantello had given my name to 101 to do to stage manage um, his one-man show with God, uh, Jim Parsons, The God Show. I can't remember that. <laughs> um, but I had said yes. Gotcha. 
one because uh, Joe is an amazing director, but uh, one of the first questions I ever asked him was like, what is your, who's your favorite stage manager and why? And he couldn't really answer that question. Mm -hmm. And it, and I, I had seen that he'd worked with several different stage managers and that's sort of a red flag mm -hmm. that a director is difficult or, or doesn't like stage managers, right. which I think Joe will, would admit mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that he works with n a number of them because right. it's like, I didn't like that one. Let's move on to the next one. Right. Whereas a lot of directors will work with the same stage manager over and over again once yeah, they find the person they like. So for the fact that Joe called me a second time, mm -hmm. I it didn't care. I didn't care what the project was. Sure. I was like, oh, nice, cool. yeah. nice. Joe called me a second time. Let's do this. Yeah. So after I saw Hamilton, Jeffrey called me, the producer, and he said, "Can I assume that you haven't taken a job?" And I said, "Uh, no, actually." Um, I did take a job and he said, can I ask what? He said, can I, can I ask you to just like, you know, not take it, not, not start or, you know, whatever. Um, I don't, can't remember how he put it, Fake but, your dad. but uh, he said, you know, we are, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our show and we would like for you. to." And I said, well, Jeffrey, there's no way I would say no to Hamilton. Sure. Let's be real. And I, but I would like to get an answer, you know, so I can, give this other show a heads up. So within a few more weeks, I don't know how long it was, to be honest, um, Jeffrey made the call and said, we're good. Great. Let's do this. Great. And I said, okay. Did you expect it to be the sensation that it is? <sighs> I mean, it's a, it's a constant awakening, right. isn't it? Um, I mean, it's the same thing with hairspray mm -hmm. where you didn't, nobody anticipated that it right. would sell $2 million worth of tickets in a day. Mm -hmm. And yet it did. And you just sort of keep sort of, it's like you're watching an Olympic event on some level right. and you're like, well, nobody can beat that score. And then you're like, whoa, <laughs> it's like watching Sean White on the snowboard <laughs> last night. It was incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was sort of the same thing where you just sort of watch it. Like, is it gonna, is it gonna, is right. it gonna? Right. And you know, I watched the way I sort of realized it is the day the tickets went on sale. I, went to Ticketmaster mm -hmm. and you don't know, have the seating chart mm -hmm. and I picked any sort of number, any random sort of date and started early sort of looking to see where I could buy tickets. And within a few hours, you could almost watch the dots disappear. Wow. Like it was selling that fast. It was truly amazing. And then, you know, numbers would start rolling in where it was like, oh, we hit a million or we hit two or we hit five or we hit, you know, whatever. And it would just go, 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 go. And it just kept exploding. And, and with each new sort of uh, milestone, our heads continued to explode. Amazing. And so, no, I don't think even, even the most uh, hopeful mm -hmm. of, of the team were not hope, never dreamed right. it could do what it did. Right. But it can, it did. So, yeah, <laughs> it did, and, and we all sat on the side watching. <laughs> and it's not a—it's a, not an overly technical show. There are no. there are beats. There is yeah. like an incredible three three tiered round table. Is that right? Uh, yeah. We have a a, a turntable and turn a donut and a donut. Okay. So two 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 right. turntables. Um, but it, is it a fair? Was it a fairly easy tech process? For yeah, you? yeah. I mean, not for them downtown. Sure, it was difficult for them downtown. But for us, uptown, uh, all that work was pretty much done. Right. So 
we flew through tech. I mean, they they beefed up the lighting. They beefed up, you know, there were lots of things that they sort of elevated sure. the design right. on it from downtown to uptown. But uh, yeah, as far as the technical teching the show, Great. it was about finding where the cues land and sure. keep moving. Amazing. Yeah. And then, so you already knew a lot of the cast, it sounded like. And then, Some, yeah. I mean, a good portion, yes. Would you say at that moment, now you're, you're production stage manager on a big hit that you sort of knew I mean, your second big hit. Well, I mean, as PSM was your second big hit. Yeah. And that you sort of knew which, what theater you were running. Like, would you say that that was the moment you knew what you, you, you felt uh, like I'm the stage manager for real. <laughs> you know what? The thing is, is that I replaced a stage manager who wanted the job. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one, I never wanted to, uh, offend that stage manager mm -hmm. and I never wanted to grab ownership until I felt like I deserved it. Sure. And so it was, uh, I don't talk about that mm -hmm. at all. This is one of the first, one of the only times you'll ever hear me talk mm -hmm. about it because I want to be as respectful as possible yeah, to somebody who, who wanted to move with the show. Yeah. Understandably. So I shut that door and did not open it until I felt like I had ownership mm -hmm. of the show. Which took, I mean, took a couple years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until really sort of last year where I thought, okay, I think I've been the, the stage manager who's been on this show the longest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Fair so fair. now I so now I own it. Yeah. On some level. Right. So no, ownership was not something I really ever had in mm -hmm. the first year of Hamilton. I had to sort of move it and steer it mm -hmm. and keep it sort of functioning and try to put out fires mm -hmm. as they came up. Sure. And then try to schedule things as they came up, sure. whether it be the White House or the Grammy Awards or the yeah, Tonys endless. or, you know, I mean, it was just one thing. Thankfully, we chose not to do press. Right. But thankfully, we decided let's not show too much leg right. on this one. Yeah. Because you guys um, were hitting it out of the park. Yeah. And we didn't need to. Yeah. So, God, I can't even imagine if we were scheduling Good Morning America and, <laughs> and the Thanksgiving Day Parade yeah. and all of these other things. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it would have been like. And then, two years in, is this right, you mm -hmm. were offered, well, the show was going to take on multiple companies, or they were planning to. Yeah. And you were offered to be production supervisor on the show. Yeah, it was actually, uh, I was sitting in tech with Neil Mazzella, uh, the Broadway tech. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I even considered the idea because Neil was like, you know, there's going to need to be a production supervisor and that's going to need to be you. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't really know what that is, Neil. He's like, nobody does. So I don't think actually maybe a lot of people listening know what that is. So maybe now. No. You could. I didn't. I don't think anybody does, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't, there's no definition of this job. And uh, I decided when it became a real thing, mm -hmm. when, when, you know, the Tonys were done and I was going to need to sort of step out and start planning the next production, I went around and I had a conversation with Tom Widman, who was the production supervisor on Wicked, mm -hmm. asked him what he did, right. how he defined the job. Mm -hmm. And then I sat down with Clifford Schwartz, who's a production supervisor over at Disney, mm -hmm. who does all of their shows, what he did and how he structured his job. They were vastly different. And so I picked and choosed mm -hmm. the pieces that I thought applied to Hamilton. Sure. I put sort of a bullet point little thing together and then I took it to the office and I said, this is what I think the job is. And they said, great, so do we <laughs> get to work. Because um, uh, they, were, they were lining up 
shows every six months at that point. That's so, amazing. So um, when was the second company opened? And where was it? Chicago was the second company. It started in, first rehearsal was like August after the Tony Awards. Mm -hmm. So I had started planning that one before the Tony Awards. Right. Um, and then I officially sort of stepped out as stage manager um, so I could start helping. So this would have been August of 2016. This would be August of 2016. That is correct. It opened in October, early October or late September. Right. In Chicago. And since then, you've been <clears throat> companies in Los Angeles, London. We then, as soon as we finished uh, Chicago, we were less than two or three months away from starting rehearsal for the first national tour, wow. which was going to sit in San Francisco for four months, mm -hmm. sit in LA for five months, and then go on tour. So we barely finished Chicago before we were ready to start. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because we started rehearsal in January. And so now you have several under, I mean, <clears throat> several, four companies open? We have five. Five companies open. And is that it? For the moment. No, God, no. Oh. <laughs> they will be coming fast and furious. In Vietnam. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of plans in the works. I mean, I sort of find out about them, you know, yeah, 18 months right. ahead of time. Um, because we'll have, you know, Puerto Rico opens next. This will be the sort of probably the longest breather we get between now and November because we just opened the second national in Seattle right. and I got back Sunday wow. um, from opening that one. Right. We did London. Mm -hmm. I went there for like two and a half, three months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've been coming pretty fast and furious. And how was that opening up a show in London? Was that your first time opening a show? In the it UK? was. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, we were faced with the additional challenge of a massive renovation, like a full restoration renovation happening to the Victoria Palace theater, which right. is, incredible like one of the top three most beautiful theaters i've ever seen like cameron mcintosh did a remarkable job but uh sort of it collided with the install of hamilton sure and so it did make for many challenging days mm -hmm. but how did you happened. pick um, your production stage manager for that show you know we sort of went with recommendations mm -hmm. for the for the from the technical uh, supervisor on the show made some recommendations mm -hmm. um, and then I did Skype interviews with with a few people um, and then landed with the stage manager that we have okay yeah and so okay so now you get a beat you gotta take a deep breath mm -hmm. <laughs> before you're off again I guess looking back now knowing for I guess that Steve Becker was telling the truth when he said you were gonna skyrocket yeah. before you even knew it yeah do you think looking back you would have done anything differently with how you approached um, your career yeah it's an interesting question because there 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 was a moment sort of in uh the middle of my career after i had done a couple of psm jobs that i realized that the, the people that were coming out of school had really great uh organizational skills and they had really great paperwork skills mm -hmm. like they were sort of dazzling me with excel and spreadsheets <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but they didn't have great people skills right. and that's that's so i i think for me personally 
I like the way I came up because I developed the people skills right. first right. and then developed the technical slash spreadsheet skills, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I mean, as long as you have both, I feel like you get there, but it did feel like for, there was a moment where a lot of schools started stage manager programs mm-hmm. right out of, you know, they were popping up everywhere. Sure. And the people that were coming out had great sort of technical skills, but no people skills. Right. And I feel like that's now the adjustment that colleges are beginning to make yes, is that, that, that they understand that um, they need, they're, they're managing people. Mm-hmm. They're not ma- stage manager is not a great job for or a great title for the job right. because you're actually managing actors and people. So are you saying that you wish you had gone to school? Yeah, I guess I'm saying I wish I had better technical skills mm-hmm. coming in, but I'm not unhappy with where I ended up. No, of course. So <laughs> I was um, say. it's sort of hard to say, <laughs> you know, that I didn't take the uh, the right path because I I feel like I won the lottery with sure. this job. Yeah, so. of course. And then do you think, well, first of all, do you have, I guess, advice for any aspiring stage managers? I mean, I think it's it's really a good point to show your trajectory coming from someone who was even sure what stage managers did. Yeah. I mean, and literally yeah. being one of the, I mean, three or four production supervisors <clears throat> on Broadway. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's a testament to who you are more than, let's say, how you came up. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true because it means that you have, I mean, the people skills are at just as important as, say. Yeah. The technical skills up until a point where you need to be able to pick up both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess particularly for people in other parts of the world who don't really have access to, you know, the kind of schools that are yeah. out there for stage managers. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a good point is people are aiming, you know, maybe you are opening up a Hamilton in Southeast Asia or in, mm-hmm. you know, Africa mm-hmm. or wherever. And, you know, wh- what kind of stage manager would you be looking for locally? I mean, I don't, I guess I don't know the answer to that. I I try to gel with the people that I interview. I do look obviously at their experience. Um, I want to know that they can handle the job, but I I do want to make sure that I'm I'm actually sort of connected to people. You know, when I go looking for people on Hamilton, Mm -hmm. this creative team and this sort of staff all the way through are really nice people right and they like to work with nice people (laughs) they like good people in the room Um, and that's something that Tommy Kale especially has a real sort of eye for um, are are lovely people Mm -hmm. so I mean (laughs) that's sort of a roundabout way to pat myself (laughs) on the back I guess (laughs) but um, that's not how I'm really thinking about it but but that's what I've realized that I need to also sort of take on that that extra sort of thing that I'm looking for right. people are like, can I connect with you? Right. And are you, do you feel like solid in your own shoes? Right. And it's kind of why I tell people don't try to dazzle me right. because then, then you have that pressure and you don't, you're not yourself right. in that moment. Well, Jason Bassett, thank you for joining oh my us. Gosh, <laughs> that, was, well, that was a very long conversation. <laughs> Please write our review on our podcast, whatever you listen to your podcast, and let your friends know about us. 
You can learn more about Theater Art Live by visiting our website at www.theaterartlive.com. And you can also follow us on social media and leave your questions and comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We want to thank David Sire for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Shirata, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create life entertainment around the world. 